Now, I'm coming at you this morning from a little bit different direction. Somebody's going to be saying, as soon as you hear the title of this message, <laughs> pastor's getting off into politics. Pastor's getting off into politics. Well, my, 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 my conclusion on such a thought is that this right here was here before there was any political configuration in the United States of America. We are, and the ones I want to speak to this morning across our nation and in this room are Christian Americans. Christian Americans. I'm not trying to appease atheist Americans, or agnostic Americans, or philosophic Americans. (laughs) I just feel a strong need to talk to my brothers in Jesus Christ, Americans, this morning. First, Christians, followers of Jesus, Savior and Lord, and second, Americans. On down the list, Americans. We are American citizens, and we have duties to our nation, but we are sons and daughters of the King, and we are members and a part of, first and foremost, that family of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are so bombarded with all kinds of opinions and prognosticators are telling us what's going to happen or what should happen. The church is in the middle of all of that confusion, all of those words being spoken and forecasts being made. There's just a sense that we need to ask the question as we move toward the second Tuesday in November, How would Jesus vote? How would Jesus vote? It's something that I believe, and I hope you'll agree, that every Christian American ought to ask. So here's the assumption, Christian, Christian American, Christian. That means more than a building, more than a denomination, it means that somehow, some way, by the grace of God, you have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But to as many as received him, Jesus, John 1, 12, to these he gave the right to be called the children of God. So, so we're saying, I have received you, Jesus, as the one who died on the cross to pay for my sins. I am no longer guilty. I am no longer walking in shame. I am free. I am forgiven because of your blood, because of your death. And because you were buried and raised again, I believe you live in me. that, That I have become, as your scripture would say, a temple of the Holy Spirit. That you dwell in me. I don't just have a list of rules to follow. I have the power of your spirit working inside me to change my want to, so that now I'm wanting to do some things that I didn't used to ever think I'd want to do. I've received you, Jesus. I've declared, as Romans 10, 9, and 10 would say, that if you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. I I have made the confession, and I freshly make it again this morning. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. That, That means it's not a limited partnership. It's not an LLC. He's not just an advisor. He is my, because I want him to be my boss. 
He is my master. The word Lord means sovereign over everything underneath that one's control. I have chosen to give the control of my life to Jesus. I want you, Lord Jesus, to help me decide, to help me make the choices and the decisions that you want me to make. I want you just to lead me, and I'm telling you, Lord, the best I can, I'm going to follow you because you are my Lord. You, I want you to own my heart. That's just another way of saying he's my Lord. It's that he is the one I desire to have own my heart, my emotions, my choices, my decisions. So that's who, I'm, that's who I'm wanting to talk to this morning. My brothers and sisters in Jesus who have received Jesus' death in our place for our sins. He's raised again. He's alive. And he lives in me. <laughs> and he lives in you. Doesn't mean that we don't have struggles and we don't have things that we're, he's still working with us on. But it means that my direction is clear. It's to follow him and to believe that he will lead me and he will take care of me. I've confessed him as my Lord. He's my Savior. He is my Lord. And he has given me an instruction guide. He has given me a constitution. He's given me a bill of rights. He's given me his Bible. He's given me his scripture. And though I may not understand all of it, though I may not be able to piece all of it together, I believe and I declare 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 are true words. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed. And it is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for correction for reproof, exposing something that needs to be exposed in my life that I wouldn't see necessarily otherwise. An instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God, the person of God may be complete, may be prepared and ready for every good work that comes up. I've accepted, I've embraced the truth of Scripture. If you're asking me what is my authority in written form, my authority is the Bible. I may not understand it all. I, I certainly am not living up to all that's here. But it's where I go for the answers to the most important questions that I face. I look for it in here. God breathed. God breathed. Different than your newspaper. Different than Sports Illustrated. Different than, different than, than, than digital input that will come your way. God breathed. And the Lord by his spirit can energize it into my heart. Thy way have I hid in my heart, O Lord, that I may not sin against you. So that, that's the premise. That's who I want to talk to. I hope we've established the audience hopefully clearly enough. I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. And I look to the scripture for instruction, direction in my life. All right? So, so how, how would Jesus vote? Now, that's where we're headed, but you're going to stay with me just a minute. One question related to that is this question. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Now, I hope that this is just refresher for my brothers and sisters in Jesus. But I'm telling you, there's so much noise and so much clutter coming at us. And we've got elected officials saying, you, 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 don't, you don't have to let your faith interfere with your decisions. And she made it very clear about what she's decided and saying to the rest of saying to Christians, you don't have to let your faith mess up what we want you to do, basically. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, and then I'm an American. And, and that means that I'm just, I'm just infested with faith, you know? 
you try to extract faith, believing in the Lord and what we believe He has said from our lives, and there'd be not much left of us. So we come to that. Who, who is this Jesus that I say I believe in? I want you to take your Bible, and I hope it's worn out. I, I, I've got a few of these that are kind of coming apart, and I, I, hate, I, hate, I hate to lose them. I hate to put them on a shelf, but you kind of got to when, they come in, when you open them up and they come loose in six different directions. I hope you've got a few Bibles like that, you know, and I hope your children fight over which one of those they get when you go to glory, you know, because they'll know many things about you from what they see underlined and dated and marked in your copy of the Scripture. Go, go with me to Hebrews chapter 1. We're answering the, answering the question, so who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is He? We're going to look at four specific passages, mainly read these through to inform that question, the answer to that question. Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1. God, after He spoke, Long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, death, burial, resurrection, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is one of the places in your Bible where in identifying the authority, the name, the preeminence of Jesus, this characteristic is attached to his name, that through Jesus, God created everything that is. Okay, now that's, that's Hebrews. See, the reason this is important is that the Bible will say about you and me that if any person is in Christ... We are a new creation. The old things passed away and new things have come. The joy of that is the Lord Jesus Christ has had experience in creation. He created everything and now he comes and knocks on the door of your heart and my heart and it says if you'll open the door to me, I'll cause you to be a new creation. Old things passed away and new things have come. If he, can, if, if, if he can create the universe, then he's got a pretty good shot at being able to recreate you and me. Amen? From the inside out. All right, I, I, let me quit talking and let's just keep reading. Go to, go to Colossians. Back up, take a left out of Hebrews and turn until you hit Colossians. And this is Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Paul writes, for he delivered us from the authority or the domain of darkness and transferred us, he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then he says, and he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Who is in you? Is Jesus in your heart? If he is in your heart, then this is who the scripture says he is. He is, he, is the, he is the image of the invisible God. Verse 16, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Those are in, in certain instances, and, and in many cases, it would be applicable to apply the understanding of those words to the unseen realms of authority and power, as well as the seen, the visible. All things have been created by him. By whom? By Jesus. He's not just a philosopher. He's not just an asterisk to human history in the Middle East. All things. 
All things have been created by him and for him. Now, I don't expect all the college professors to say, amen, preach it, preach it. But I do expect those of you who have been touched by the power of this Jesus to be able to say, I don't understand it all, and I hadn't gotten it all, but I'm telling you, he's working a change in me. He's working a fresh, a new creation in me. I know that. I know that that's true. I can't speak for anybody else, but I can tell you it's true in my heart. He would say, all things have been created by him and for him. And look at this. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If Jesus didn't say to the molecule of everything in the universe, hold steady, hold on. If you change the command, this is literally saying that everything that is would cease to be. Everything in a tree, everything in a, in a church pew, everything in the asphalt, in him all things hold together. Have you ever felt like that? I, I get, I, I got to chase this a minute because I see it on your faces. Have you ever felt like there have been times when you just needed to cry out to the Lord and he answers you in the cry, Lord, you're just going to have to hold me together. You're going to have to be the glue in this family if it's going to stick. You're going to have to cause the things that work and the situations that I'm in to hold together. Your Bible tells you Jesus is the one who holds all things together. All right? Now go to Philippians. Just keep going to the left. Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed, past tense, in the form of God, He did not regard equality, position with God, a thing to be grasped, something to be hung on to at all costs. I need the name, the position, the rank, the title, no matter what. I'm not giving it up. The heart of Jesus was, if it meant I give those things up in order to save and rescue and bring into the family of God those ones whom I love. I'll do it. I'll lay it aside. So it says in verse 7, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him, And bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. You see, if you understand that it's this Jesus, the real Jesus, who lives inside you, then you understand when you've already bowed your knee to this Jesus, you can't bow your knee to any other lesser authority. That he is sovereign, he is supreme. If he assigns you to come in under and be in submission to levels of earthly authority for certain seasons, certain times, certain, certain uh, opportunities or responsibilities. And then, yes, but I bow my knee to the one whose name is above every other name. There's not a political party. There, there's not a political office. There's, there's no one comparable in my heart. To Jesus. I, I, believe, I believe we as brothers and sisters in Jesus ought to be able to celebrate that truth. We can come from different political party perspectives and so forth. We can do that. Those will not necessarily be the ties that bind. But that which will draw me to you. And I want to believe will draw you back this way. 
is that you pick up some way or another from the, from the twinkle in my eye and the sense of joy and confidence in coming out of my mouth that I know the same one you know, that Jesus is alive in you and Jesus is alive in me and we want him to be honored with our lives. He's my Lord. He owns my heart. I want to please him. I love to please him. That, that, that's the change that he makes inside us. Instead of being, I got to run as far away from God as I can get because I've blown it so bad. The realization comes through his mercy that he knows everything and more that we have done and thought. And he's forgiven us. The weight of guilt is lifted. And there's no one that would love us that way other than Jesus. But he loves us, he washes us, he puts his spirit inside us, he draws us to him, and the result of that is we want to please him. We want him to be pleased with our lives. Hang on to that, hang on to that. We're, we're, go, we're going somewhere with how would Jesus vote? Who is he? He's the creator of everything that is. He's the one who causes everything to hold together. Go, go to um, one more spot, one more stopping spot, and then we're going to jump into the Old Testament. But this is John, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at how John speaks of this Jesus. Verse 1, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. Another name for Jesus, the Logos, the Logos of God, the Word of God. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Skip over to verse 10. He, Jesus, the Word, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Why? Because he had emptied himself of the divine prerogatives for that 33-year period of having all power, embodying immediate knowledge and retention, all knowledge, omnipresent. He limited himself to one human form so that John could cry out when he saw Jesus walking toward him by the Jordan, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That, that, would, that would be Jesus. He, he, he limited himself. He emptied himself of the divine progress. But prior to Bethlehem, folks, Jesus was present. Jesus was active. Jesus was operative. That he didn't just come into being when Gabriel spoke the message to Mary, you're going to have a child, the Father will be the Holy Spirit, and you'll call his name Jesus. He, he has existed from eternity past. Eternity past is the real Jesus, alive in you by his Spirit. Okay, so, we're, we're, so how would Jesus vote? I want you to look at, at Psalm, Psalm number 8. Find Psalm number 8 real quick. Now, that's, that's, that's Old Testament, right? Psalm number 8. And it's that wonderful description of David's statement of creation and the order of creation and the hand of God in it. Now, he didn't know of Jesus, but, but he, speaks, he speaks of this in chapter 8, verse 1. O Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who has displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, thou hast established strength because of thine adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Then he says, when I consider thy heavens, 
the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Back to verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. Well, whose fingers is he talking about? Huh? Who did we just read that created everything that is? Nothing exists but that Jesus caused it to be formed. <laughs> whose fingers is he talking about? I'm telling you. If you'll let this drop 18 inches, it'll bless you all the way till dark today. The fingers of God, the fingers of Jesus that fashioned the sun, the moon, and the stars is the one who lives in your chest, who loves you with an irreversible infinity kind of love. Who is he? He is the one who used his fingers to fashion the visible realm, the heavens and the earth. Oh, Kenna, the plot's fixing to thicken. Where, where else do we find the finger of God? Which would be the finger of Jesus, the hand of Jesus. He's the creator that stated Three times out of four that we read just a while ago, it's the established truth for the believer that your Jesus is no mild-mannered philosopher. He's no asterisk in human history. He is the one who stepped out on nothing and everything came into being because he said, let there be light. He's no small player with some minor role. And then it says that with his finger, he created the sun, moon, and star. All right, leave Psalms, go all the way to the book of Exodus, Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, second book in your Bible. Look at Exodus chapter 31 and verse 18. And when God, he, God, had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written by the finger of God. So we have the reference that the finger of God fashioned, created, set in their place, and has the ability to sustain their existence, Jesus. And here we find this finger of God <laughs> being mentioned again. But what is it in relation to? It's in relation to what we have come to call the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. In the back of our mind, here's where we're headed. How would Jesus vote? Authority to create and sustain the universe. But what if it was the finger of God, the finger of Jesus, as God, who wrote and gave to Moses the Ten Commandments. Well, let's just see what the Ten Commandments have to say all over again. How would Jesus vote? This is Exodus chapter 20. Ten Commandment number one, verse three. You shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above, earth beneath, the water beneath the earth. Commandment number three, verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished 
who takes his name in vain. That doesn't mean that the punishment follows immediately after the final consonant and the curse word hits. But it is to be noted, you don't get away with taking the Lord's name in vain. Fourth commandment, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In the New Testament, it seems that the observance of the Sabbath, a day of rest, was shifted to Sunday, which is called the Lord's Day, the day that he was raised from the dead and began to appear to his, to his men, to his people. But the principle remains intact that you're not supposed to work your head off all seven days, that there is to be a day to back away from the earthly, worldly grind, to rest physically, but to rest and be replenished spiritually as well. It's a holy day unto the Lord. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord gives you. The sixth commandment is in verse 13. You shall not murder. You shall not take an innocent life. You shall not take an innocent life. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness, false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. There are the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God. The one that is perhaps referred to at least the violation of it with prominence in the Old Testament is that one that says, you shall not take an innocent life. In Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon writes and he says, six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. And in the verse, one of the verses of those two, 16 and 17, it, it, it says, the Lord hates haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. There, there is perhaps one major commandment out of the ten that has to do with eternal things in the sense of an adjacent life or another life. And it is when that life is taken. God gave the life, but someone else stepped in to take the life, to take the role of God in the life of the innocent. And the scripture says, the Lord hates that. Let me show you, this is in, this is in Psalm, Psalm 106. Find, go back to Psalms again. I want to make sure that I get this right. Psalm 106. So the, the psalmist is writing here about why judgment finally came on the nation of Israel. After prophet, after prophet had been sent to the nation to say, you got to quit killing the innocent. You, you, you need to stop worshiping idols and all of the things, the violation. But, but, but listen to the prominence of these words. This is, this is Psalm 106, verse 37. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons and shed innocent blood. 
the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with the blood. Thus they became unclean in their practices and played the harlot in their deeds. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his inheritance. Then he gave them into the hand of the nations, and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were subdued under their power. Look at verse 43. Many times he would deliver them. They, however, were rebellious in their counsel and so sank down in their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry, and he remembered his covenant for their sake and relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness. He also made them objects of compassion in the presence of all their captors. It is in effect saying that at the root of the litany of causes for God to lift his protection off of the nation of Israel, allow the walls of Jerusalem to be breached, allow the holy sanctuary of the temple to be polluted, and things taken from it to Babylon. At the root of that was the shedding of innocent blood. 63 million. 63 million in the United States of America since Roe v. Wade was implemented. Thank the Lord that there has been a change, there has been a shift, there has been a reversal. We thank the Lord for that massive victory over a heinous law. But just because the law changes doesn't mean hearts change. There are many in the Alamo City family over the years, and many who would be, still be a part of us today, who would have to give the testimony, that is in my background, that is in my history. I, I, I did what I did but only now do I realize the full implications of what I did. And I have repented. I have sought the Lord's mercy and forgiveness. And many ladies and many men have been a part of our family over the years, have been able to give that testimony. I didn't know what I was doing. I, it, he showed it to me. I repented of it. I found mercy. He's giving me hope again, and he's taking me further, and I can be used of him, forgiven but you didn't try to excuse it. <laughs> you know, the most foolish thing in the world is to think when something is a spiritual reality, a spiritual law, you can create physical laws to negate the spiritual law. How dumb is that? If, if it is real spiritually, no matter what Washington or Austin would do, cannot adjust one iota the reality of God's law. So he knows that we're going to break laws. That's why Jesus came. Oh, listen. The one who grieved over the sin in Israel, the, the one who sent the prophets, the, the one who knew all of it, oh, that same one emptied himself of his God prerogatives and abilities and rights and authority stance to humble himself, become a man so that he could take in his body our sins and cause them to be nailed to the cross and the price to be paid and the blood would wash away the guilt and we could be free. Guilty of what we've been guilty of. But free because of this Jesus. Free because of the finger of God Jesus. Fashioned the heavens but wrote the Ten Commandments. Knowing that there would be breaches, there would be premeditated violations that would last for a long time. 
But even still, God so loved the world. The world hadn't repented. The world hadn't changed a bit. The world, just like you and I, the same we always had been. It didn't, isn't that he started loving us when we showed up at Alamo City or that he started loving us when we quit cussing a little bit less and, we, and these other things. No. He's loved you every day of your life. Whether we received it, accepted it or not, but when the time comes, when we hear that knock on the door of our heart and that sense within us Jesus saying, if any man, woman, hears my voice to my heart, to their heart, and opens the door, I will come into them, dine with them and then with me. That, 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 that speaking of his desire for you, knowing what he gets when he gets you and me. But his mercy is real. His love has arms and hands and power. but it's listed as one of the things that he hates. The shedding of innocent blood. You know, it, it used to be, I suppose, and I'm, I'm sure this is true, that for the science grew with regard to the unborn, there, there could have been the sense that it's just a, it's just a, it's just a group of cells. It's just a clump of cells inside the mother's womb. If the scripture isn't enough, the science has progressed. And science would say at the third week, a brain begins to develop. At about the sixth week, there's a heartbeat. At about the seventh week, that little person can hiccup. Early, as early as eight weeks, children in the womb show a much stronger acknowledgement of pain than even after birth in response to the invasive procedure. It's because of the capacity to feel pain there is a strong argument made that human rights begin in the womb. I remember when our son was born. He was the baby, Evan. When he came into this world, he came into this world screaming his head off. But I went over and picked him up and started talking to him. Evan, this is your dad. And I love you. I don't know what all I said, but that squalling, screaming, snotty-nosed kid, baby, infant, infant, shut up and looked up at me like that was a voice that he recognized. The science just takes it deeper and deeper and deeper, that the emotions of the mother are directly reflected in the emotions of the unborn person. The positive emotions, the painful emotions. It's a person. It's a little person. It's a little person. So, so the, 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 the word is, the woman should have the right to choose. This is business between her and her doctor. When the woman and the man had sex, they made a choice. You're right. 
She has a choice, and she made it. But where is there to be the voice for the helpless innocent in the womb? Those cries that may not be heard here, heard there. If he is your Lord, Christian America, the boat's simple. The eternal issue of fixing the border crisis, that's important, but it's not eternal. Relations with China, Russia, important, but not eternal. But that which is eternal are those little souls in the lives of their mother's womb that aren't even being heard in their cry. Except here and in the heart of a Christian right here. You see, when, when, when candidates make it a part of their platform, political parties make it a part of a platform, and that which they write into their platform and they make public statements about is directly contradictory to what the Word of God says and what your Lord says He delights in or where He hates it's an easy, simple, clear choice for the Christian America. So, I realize that folks can say, you're simplifying it too much, Pastor. There are other issues involved. There are other issues involved, but there are no more important issues than this one. It's an eternal life and soul, a person, a little person. And the more science goes, the more there's going to be the realization of how fully formed, in a sense, incredibly fully formed, these little people are before they ever come forth. How would Jesus vote? He wrote it down. He wrote it. Then, then, then how, how are we to vote? We, not, not with... Not with, with anger, not with hatred, not with condemning and, and, and violence, but in the depth of our hearts saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. What matters to you matters to me. What pleases you, that's what I want to do. And I want to be found reflecting in my votes that which reflects what is pleasing in your heart. I'm leaving out names of whatever we could attach. I'm not, it, it, it isn't about political parties. It isn't about candidates. Essentially, they are temporary. You get it? I'm another two years. We're going to be doing this again. But what's permanent? That little soul, those little souls, those little lives, those little people. They're eternal. And we must weigh in on the side of their defense and their right to live and grow up and develop as a Christian America. Lord, I ask you to please take this wherever it needs to go. I pray that you would, you would keep words from being distorted, but you would cause your word that is your word that is truth to just pierce where it needs to pierce, heal where it needs to heal, Speak hope where it needs to speak hope. Thank you, Lord. And we pray for an outpouring of your spirit on this nation that we love. God, bless America. Bless America, Lord, with the gift of repentance. Where we don't see it, where we not even want it. But it would please you, it would honor you if one more time by your grace and mercy, this land was not smeared with innocent blood. Cleanse us from that, Lord. Forgive us, we pray. Send your Holy Spirit in power. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I, I want to just invite you to participate 
and getting this word that was heard today by you here streaming out across our nation to Christian Americans who need to hear it, who need to be reminded of it. Your prayerful support, your financial support are, are, are vital to what we do around here. But I just strongly impressed that this needed to be spoken these many weeks, not many left now, before the elections, so that hopefully in places and pockets where brothers and sisters in Jesus have just become perhaps so overwhelmed that you want, I don't even know if I even vote. I don't know what I even, that, that, that does any good. Oh, yes. It, even if you've only got one vote, but your vote is generated from a heart that is owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. That you are doing it because it pleases Him and you are registering, you're standing with Him as you make your choice. Amen. Let's stand together if we, if we could. And, and um, okay, I, you know, I, I said earlier I was going to ask them to sing that song again, and we sang it, but I changed my mind, and so we've already, we've already sung that. But I, I, I want to ask you, and Josh will be playing and, and just in the background and where we can have these few moments to just thank the Lord and look to the Lord and, and, and be positioned in agreement with Him, then there's no telling what He might do. Do you remember when Amazing Grace, the song Amazing Grace, was number one on the pop charts in the United States of America? Now, I realize that's going to date me and a bunch of you, so don't, don't, don't raise your hand. But that was in the 70s. There was a move of the Lord. There was a wind blowing in places in college campuses and, and outdoor stadiums and, and in private meetings all over the place. God was just doing something. And it resulted in the nation. Not everybody in the nation changed but a whole bunch were. What he's done before, he can do again. But if we stay so mad and so vindictive and we keep praying for the wrath of God to come, we lose our ability to pray for mercy. You know, what if it's that he really is desiring to pour out his mercy granted to grant repentance to the United States of America so that our hearts are changed, our hearts are turned, and he is exalted. May that be our prayer, all right? Prayer partners, join us here at the front, if you will. And streaming family, bless you for tuning in and being a part. Alamo City, Pastor Walker at alamocity.org. If, if, if there's some paragraph that would give us enough information to know how to pray with you, that's what we would love to have, to continue to pray. Our intercessors are, are wonderfully busy in their work of agreeing, Lord, your will be done, your heart be done. Let us hear from you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Come this way if we can pray for you. Otherwise, we'll, we'll, see, you. we'll see you next time. God bless you for being here today. Thank you. Amen.